Amen. Fettered but freed. And that's really the title here that's over the passage we read together. Many years ago, there was a Christian song that was composed, uh, and you know it, no doubt you've heard it. It says, Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. And the Course says, He touched me. Oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me, and he made me whole. And that's a testimony of every child of God here in this meeting. You can recall that day that the Lord Jesus, in love and his mercy, he touched you, and we're glad he made us whole. Shackled and yet saved. And this is a glorious truth that's found in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who saves. And he is the one who sets people free. You only have to read the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospels. And he went about preaching with mighty, mighty power. And many people were brought before him and he set them free. Even in the book of Acts, you follow them. Paul and Silas and Peter and others went out, the apostles, and they saw people's lives saved, transformed by the message, by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we find here in this passage. The apostle Paul and others are coming into Europe for the first time. You could imagine what this would be like for them. This is really their first visit to this community. I'm sure they wondered what's going to happen. How are we going to be received? We just know that God has said, come over into Macedonia, got the call, and help us that the, the Lord has sent us to this place. And no doubt with excitement and expectation that was in their heart, they went out to this place and to bring the gospel to this sinful people. And we do find as soon as they go into this city, God starts to work. And the Lord starts to save. And the basic thing it was, it was a lady, a Lydia, a seller of purple, lost, lost. At the place of prayer by the riverside, she was religious, but she's lost. But thank God the Lord Jesus found her. It says in that particular passage, whose heart the Lord opened. You see, her heart naturally, it was closed against Christ. It was closed against the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. She didn't want Christ in her life. She didn't want Christ in her heart. And that's the natural state of any who's unconverted. And there may be some here in this meeting tonight, and you say, no, you're just summing me up. The word of God is speaking to my heart already in this meeting. My heart, my heart is just like Lydia, it's closed. Don't want the Lord Jesus in my life. I meet people that got in my door-to-door evangelism and my gospel missions throughout our province. There are many, many people and their heart is closed against Christ. It's terrible, isn't it? The one who can save them, the one who can cleanse them, the one who can bring them to heaven and their heart is closed against them. Not your heart tonight in this meeting. Well, this woman's heart was closed, but thank God the Lord opened it. And Lydia was transformed, and Lydia 
was set free. We read on down there about the Philippian jailer, a wicked, wretched, cruel man who fired the trust. The word trust actually means that he threw, he threw Paul and sailors into prison, put them in the stocks, they mistreated them terribly. But thank God the Lord dealt with his heart and shook his whole life. And he cried out, well, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was very simple to him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. And that's the same answer to you tonight in this meeting. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. So the Lord is moving and the Lord is saving and the Lord is setting people free. And that's what we find in this passage with this young woman, a damsel. A damsel means a young woman. A young woman lost. A young woman in her sin. A young lady here in this particular passage on the broad road that leads to hell who needs Christ. But thank God she was fettered. And yet she was freed. And I want us to look at this lady here tonight that's found in her reading. I want to look first of all about the damsel and her sin. And we're told very plainly there was sin in the life of this young lady. It was a sin of divination. That means Sue's saying, or she seemed to have supernatural powers to protect the future. Fortune telling. She was well known in her community. Anybody who had a problem, they would go to this woman. If anybody wanted to know, well, what do you think is going to happen here in my life? Can you tell me? Can you tell me what's going to happen? Well, she said she could tell them. She fortune teller. A soothsayer. This wicked spirit was working in her heart and she had a, was possessed with a spirit of divination. But I want to say to you tonight, here's the truth. Here's the truth of the matter. The spirit of divination had her. That's the truth. This wicked spirit was holding her in the palm of his hand. And so we find the damsel and her sin. She had the spirit of divination. Now, I want to say some things about her sin. I want to think, first of all, about the wickedness of her sin. This was a great sin in the sight of the Lord. It's forbidden. I know today people are saying, fortune tellers. And I'll ask for a show of hands who has been at a fortune teller in their life. A lot of people have. What about reading the stars? A lot of people want to say, well, well, let's read the stars. It's going on, you know, in a province. It's going on maybe in your heart. It's going on perhaps in your life uh, tonight. The wickedness of this sin is found in the Word of God. God forbid it. God forbid such a life. For instance, in Deuteronomy 18 and verse 10, Moses, he, he's speaking to the people of Israel. He's standing this, uh, in Deuteronomy. It's really a long sermon. He's reminding the people what God had done in their life. And he's saying, well, here's how you've got to live. God has, he's brought us out from the house of bondage. And he, he brings certain laws before them, how they were to live their life. And he says in Deuteronomy 18, verse 10, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughters to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer at times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or an acromancer, for all that do these things, notice, 
are an abomination unto the Lord. Now he's a great lister. But he's talking here about what this woman had. Now there were charmers, and I'm sure I don't know if there's any charmers up around here, but in, in, in County Armagh, the county's full of charmers. And here the Lord forbids it. Anyone who says they can do this, and have these wicked spirits holding them like fortune telling, soothsaying. It says here, Moses says, it's abomination on to the Lord. There's a wickedness of our sin. It's a wicked thing. God forbid this sin. And yet there she was. In the city of Philippi, she was possessed with the spirit of divination. There she was, everybody knew her in the community. She's only a young woman. But there she is, her sin. A sin of great wickedness. Matthew Henry says, but let those, let, but let those give heed to fortune tellers or to go to wizards for the discovery of things secret or new spells for the cure of diseases or in any league or acquaintance with familiar spirits. And that's what happens. Verse 16 says, she's a soothsayer. She's telling fortunes. Now this was a very satanic, it was a very wicked sin in the life of this young woman. But the Bible tells us about this damsel and her sin. Here's what she was doing. The sin of great wickedness. That's the wickedness of her sin. And I have said, many are doing this today. They're playing about with evil, wicked spirits. There was a man done a survey in a school, and I came across it, I think it was in America, and the thing about it was this, it was actually a Christian school in America. And he did a survey of 1,700 high school kids. And the question was to them was this, has anyone ever been involved in Ouija boards? Now that's not playing Monopoly. Not playing snakes and ladders. It's playing with the devil. That's what it is. And that's the question without the 1,700 young people in the high school. Now, I don't know whether they had to write their name down. I don't think they would have to declare their name. But there was nearly over 400 of them said they had. They had. And that's a slippy soap. To familiar spirits, satanic spirits, and work on the league and certain things with the devil. We know, of course, that in our land, fortune telling and charms are rife in our land. Rife. There are many people claims they can do this, they can do that by certain spirits. And here's this young lady. She had this wicked spirit of sin in her life. I want to say to you tonight, you must say to me, well, no, well, I don't have that spirit. I don't claim to tell fortunes, but I want to say it if you're unsaved tonight, your sin is wicked in the sight of God, whatever it is. Whatever stopping you coming to Jesus Christ, whatever sin of lust of pleasure, whatever it is in the world that you have in your heart and your, and your life tonight, it is wicked in the sight of God. It is wicked. Remember, it tells us in Genesis 6, verse 5, about the Lord, right at the beginning of the time, not far at the beginning of time, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Notice this. Notice, God is looking down upon the human race, and what does he see? When he looks into their heart, he sees this tide of wickedness. 
And when God looked at this young woman, what did he see? Wickedness. When God looks in your heart tonight, what does he see? Wickedness. Sin is wickedness in the sight of a holy and a great God. And this young woman was possessed of this. In other words, she was held by it. And whatever sin, whatever sin is in your life, it's holding you. Whatever stopping you coming to Jesus Christ tonight, it's holding you. Remember the Lord Jesus said in John 8, verse 34, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. In other words, whoever commits sin in a, in a, in a continual fashion, he says this, they're a servant. And what does he mean by that? He says they're a slave of sin. And you're a slave of your sin tonight, whatever it may be, drugs, drink, whatever the case may be in your life, the wickedness of your sin. It's a wicked thing to sin against God and to reject the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So we find here the damsel in her sin. We think about the wickedness of her sin. And sin is wicked because it is committed against a great and a holy and a mighty God. But think about the wealth in her sin. Because it says in verse 16 that the spirit of divination met with us, <coughs> which brought her masters much gain by soothsayers. Here's the masters. They're making money. Here men making money at this young girl. They don't care about her. They're not worried tuppence about this girl. They know they can make money. And they seem to have her in their control. They're holding control of her. They're holding control of the money, of the people who see her, win this year, everything about her. And this woman, she's making them, it says here in her text, much gain, a fortune. And so we find here the wealth in her sin. There were people making money out of her sin, and she was making them rich. That's the same today. Your people's sin is making many people rich. You take, for instance, the sin of gambling, the booth bootmakers. Now it can't be done online. It was estimated in the United Kingdom in 2022 that online gambling took over £6.4 billion spent in gambling. That's a lot of money going down the tubes, as we would say. But you know, it's making many, many people, many people in the United Kingdom who control all these, these things, it's making them rich. And people's sin is making them rich. I remember passing the home, and I used to drive past it, and I looked over to it, a mansion, big mansion, big gates outside it. Inside the gates, there was a jockey on a horse, a statue, massive. And I said, boy, there must be somebody very famous lives in that house. Must be, of course. It wasn't a footballer, by the way, because he's on a horse. It must be a jockey. And I used to drive past and used to wonder who, I wonder who it is that lives in that house. And so I was getting diesel because there's a, there's a diesel pump right across the road. And one day I was stopped getting diesel and I was talking to a girl up at the counter and I says to her, see, that's a great house across the road there. Who lives in that house? Do you know who lived in the house? The bootmaker. The bootmaker. The one who owned the gambling business. And everybody was paying for it. And by their sin of gambling, they're making him rich. His pockets were full. 
package for full. And you can go through different things. You can go through alcohol. Multi, there's a lot of money spent in alcohol. You can go to drugs. It's estimated in the United Kingdom, 9.4 billion a year spent on drugs. And it's making many, many people rich by the lifestyle. By the lifestyle they're living. It's making people rich. And maybe that's you. That's you. I know people who, who, who's held by drink tonight, who are drunkards, who's been living in drink for years. And by their lifestyle, they're making people rich. That's the wealth and her sin. That's what sin does for People are very rich tonight who own these business, gambling, bookies, pubs, drugs, whatever it may be. There are many other things which we're not named tonight from the pulpit. But here we find the wealth and her sin. People are being made rich. But I want you to notice the will in her sin. Now, I know it said this young woman was possessed by a wicked spirit. And I know she was mastered over by these men for financial gains. But we must remember this. She played a part in the sin. The sin was hers. The sin was hers. It was her sin. She cannot point the finger and blame anyone else. It's her actions. It's her words. It's her life. It's her choice. And she's playing a part in this lifestyle. It's her will. It was her life and sin. And I said to everyone regarding your sin, the book stops at your door. It's your sin. You, you can't blame the bookmaker. You can't blame the boy, a publican who owns a bar. You can't blame the boy who sends drugs. Now they're playing a part, they're playing a part. You had to pick your finger and point it in your own heart and say, it's just my life. It's how I have chose to live my life. It's what I want to do. I have met people in the streets of Gekeel, a particular person, and he says to me, and he's a drunkard, and he says to me, I love it. That's what I want. The sin says, and your sin is your sin tonight. Just like this lady. It's your sin. Every sin, everything you have done. Think about the will. Think about the wrath towards your sin. God was angry with us. God was angry with this woman going about hell by a spirit of divination that belonged to the devil. She's living a wicked life. Her heart was closed against Jesus Christ. And God was not pleased. Remember it says in Psalm 9, or Psalm 11 verse or Psalm 7, sorry, verse 11. God judges the righteous. And notice these words. God is angry with the wicked every day. Isn't that amazing? You never hear much of that. Now. God's wrath, his anger, is against those who's in their sin. When I preached over one time in England, someone was telling me about a particular church, and they, they had these balloons. Now, there's a, there's a truth on it, I have to say. But they're just balloons, and it says, God loves you. And they would run into a shop and run in and just give them the balloon. God loves you. Now, there's a lot of truth. God does love sinners. We know this. But God is angry with the wicked every day. His wrath is upon them. The Lord Jesus Christ said, He that believeth not is condemned already. In other words, the wrath, the condemnation of God is upon the person without Jesus Christ tonight. And you are in great danger tonight in this meeting. If you're in here without Jesus Christ, living a life of sin. You know tonight you're under God's wrath. How can you sleep? 
How can you go along to light in your life without the Lord Jesus Christ on the broad road that leads to destruction, that leads to hell? God's wrath is against you. And he's angry with you every day. And I want you to see that tonight. This was this woman out on the streets. A young woman out on the streets. Here it tells us about her sin. The damsel and her sin. And God knows all about your sin tonight. And your, your sin will take you to a lost eternity. And you need Christ to save you. But I want you to notice second here about the damsel and her steps. Because while we're reading these uh, passages about her sin, we can read about her steps. Verse 16, he says, It came to pass, as we went to prayer, a a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us. So we find here her steps meeting, meeting Paul and Silas. And she's meeting these men of God. They've come into the city and they've come to preach and they've come to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're going to the place of prayer. They're going to pray to God. They're going to pray for people like this woman. That God would touch hearts and God would change lives. But I want you to see she met them. Did she plan the meeting? Did she plan the meeting with Paul and Silas? No. Did did our masters plan this meeting with Paul and Silas? No. But God planned it. God planned this. That this woman's steps would come before the men of God. Paul and Silas. We know that nothing, nothing happens, you know, by chance. Sometimes we think, well, that's just by chance. It is not by chance. It says in the word of God, in Ephesians 1, verse 11, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Notice the words, God is working all things after the counsel of his own will. God's in control. Ephesians 3, verse 11, According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, it's Spurgeon says, The Lord knows how to arrange all things. His forecasts are true to a tick of a clock. So providentially, this lady, this young lady comes face to face and meets Paul and Silas. William Cowper, that great hymn says, God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storms. So the meeting here, the steps, the meeting of Paul and Silas was planned by God. Who do you think planned this meeting tonight? Oh, you say, well, well Mr. Harris, they phoned you and said, well, Noel, could you come and preach? Well, that happened. And who planned? You? Well, I planned to come to this meeting. But you know, behind it all, behind it all, is the hand of God working in hearts of people. No mistake that anyone is listening in tonight on the internet who's not saved and in the meeting, in the meeting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and God has brought you in here tonight to hear the word of God and brought face to face with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. His love, his mercy, his death, there's power in his blood to hear the gospel message. God has brought you in tonight. You think about her steps and she's meeting Paul. Think about her steps and she's following Paul. And silently see that in verse 7. The same followed Paul and us. She's following him. Perhaps they would look over her shoulder, and there she was. And they went up onto another street, and another day, and there they looked, and there she was again. 
And it seems to be she was stalking them. And they couldn't take a step around that city in any shape or form. But there she was, this young woman. She was following Paul and Silas in her steps. She was not following them for a blessing, but rather to burden them. So we see her steps and she's following Paul and Silas. And then we see her crying to Paul. You can see in verse 7, she said, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Do you hear her? She's crying after Paul and Silas. These men, do you see them? These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Here's the truth of her saying. It was true. Paul and Silas were the servants of the Most High God. And Paul and Silas did show people the way of salvation. We know this. But she was testifying on to the fluence of the devil. She wasn't doing this to receive praise from Paul and Silas. Some people reckon that she was doing this to get get gain from them, maybe get money. Some people say as well she was saying this thing to bring discredit on the cause of God. The people would say, well, this Paul and Silas is really working with this woman. But here's the truth of her saying. These men are the servants of the Most High God. And then think about the time. Because it says here, verse 18, many days. It just wasn't a one-off experience here. No, no, many days. Right one day, here was this young woman following them. These men are the servants of the Most High God. Was show unto us the way of salvation. And it went on and on and on and on for many days. Now think about the time. Think about the trouble. It grieved Paul. It tells us Paul being grieved. He was not happy. He knew behind us. He knew behind us was a devil. He knew this. And he was grieved. The word was true. The tone was wrong. He was grieved what was happening. And that's a lesson too for all of us. That God is grieved at our sin. And your sin tonight in this meeting. In Genesis 6 verse 6. It repenteth the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him. Grieved him in his heart. And maybe tonight I say to some young people. Maybe you're living such a lifestyle tonight. And you're grieving your parents. And that's true. But remember tonight, you're grieving God. God's grieved in such a lifestyle that you will not trust his son. And so we find here this young lady, damsel, and her steps brought face to face with Paul and Silas. And you're brought face to face tonight with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his great love and mercy, how he died upon the cross in order to save us and to give us everlasting life. And God has brought you in tonight to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And we trust he'll speak to your heart tonight. And I want to say lastly and quickly about the damsel and her salvation. And think about the manner of her salvation. So listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. He rebuked the evil spirit. And he says in verse 18, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it tells us he came out the same way. Here's the manner of this woman's deliverance of salvation from this wicked spirit. Apostle Paul says, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to come out. In fact, I'm commanding you to come out of this woman. In the name. Notice. 
the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't use his own name. He didn't use it. He didn't use Silas's name. He didn't use Peter's name or anybody's name. Other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name, he says, of Jesus Christ, come out of her. Oh, the wonderful, wonderful truth of salvation is and there's no other name can save you but Jesus Christ. There's no other name. Do you remember Peter speaking to those religious Jews in the book of Acts in the chapter 4 and verse 12? He's standing boldly. He's standing confidently. He's preaching and he says to them in Acts 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And that's the same message Peter is preaching. And he's saying to these religious people who had religion up to their neck, He's saying there's salvation and no other name. But there's one name can save you. That's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name. And there's hope, hope for this young lady and none other but the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know we come to the Bible, that's true. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4 and verse 14, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. There's no other name can save you but the name of the Lord Jesus. And I say that to everyone who's listening in tonight and in the meeting. There's no other name. It's not, it's not the name of your church. And you may say, I, I love my church. You can say my name and my church. It's a good shepherd. There are some chapels and churches called the good shepherd. Some are called St. John. Someone says the name of the Methodist Church or the Church of Ireland or the Church of England or the name of the Free Presbyterian Church. Those names will not save you. Those names will not take away your sin or bring you salvation. You cannot come to God and say, I went to such and such a church and let me into heaven. You're not getting in because of that. It's not the name of your church. It's not... Your own name. And it's amazing today, there are many people trying to get to heaven in their own name. You only have to speak to them. And they start to talk about the way of salvation and how can I be forgiven and how can I be saved. And then they start to tell you all about their life and what they have achieved and what they have done. In their community. And we're not denying some people are doing a good work in the community and they're doing maybe a good work among their neighbours and family and friends and so on. But that will never, that will never get you into God's into God's uh, kingdom it will never get you everlasting life it's the name of Jesus Christ and don't you be trusting in your own name tonight don't be trusting in the name of your parents and your parents may be good and they may be godly and they may love you and they may teach you bible stories and they may pray for you and all the way but it's not the name of your parents that get you into heaven it's the name of Jesus Christ and that's the only hope for this young woman and there's no saviour but the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not that he is the way to heaven, but it is this. He's the only way. And the only way for you to be saved is through the name, the blood, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad tonight you have heard the answer. How you can be forgiven. How you can be saved. How you can get everlasting life. It's the name of Jesus Christ. 
That, that's the manner here of this salvation. In the name. In the name. The name of Jesus. You can be saved tonight. You can be forgiven. You can get mercy. And you can find salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus. Think about the manner. Think about the moment. Because it says here in verse 18. It says he came out and he came out this, the same hour. Isn't that amazing? The, the same hour, a, a moment, immediately. As soon as he said the words and commanded this evil spirit, leave her alone, come out of her. The same hour. The same hour. You can follow that down in the book of Acts. In verse 25, talks about midnight. Go on down to verse 30, verse 31, verse 33. The same hour. We'll soon be in here one hour. But here's the wonderful thing about it. You can go out differently. You can go out tonight saved, redeemed, forgiven. God can save you. Christ can save you in a moment. Repent from your sin now. Call upon him now. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he can set you free now. The same hour. The same hour. The Lord Jesus can save you. He can set you free. There it is before us. You see it here, black and white in the word of a living God. And this woman was delivered the same hour. There's many people here in this meeting, went to a gospel meeting or so on one time, and they asked the Lord to save them at home, and they were saved the same hour. The Lord can save you tonight in this meeting. He can save you in a moment. Repent and turn and trust the Lord Jesus with all your heart, and he will save you. Think about the madness because verse 19 talks about the masters. They saw the hope of their gains were gone. Well, they told lies against Paul and Silas. They raised up the people against them. They got them cast into prison. And you know, they were mad. They were mad. But nevertheless, the Lord Jesus has set this young woman free. People may be mad. He says, well, if I go home and tell them I've got saved, people will be mad. If I go to my workplace... Tomorrow one says, I got saved to the free Presbyterian church. And all along, I came to Jesus Christ. They'll be mad. Oh, they may be mad. But you'll be glad. You'll be glad to be set free, forgiven and saved by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, he can set you free. Remember in John 8 verse 36 says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, he shall be free indeed. And here's a wonderful, wonderful truth in closing. The Lord Jesus can save you. He can set you free. Completely. Completely. And he'll do it immediately. And he'll do it personally. And he'll do it tonight. He'll do it now. For you. Would you come and trust him? Why would you go on in your sin? Why would you go on knowing that you're in danger of losing your soul for all eternity? Why would you live another day without Christ? Come and trust him. It's time, the Bible says, it's time to seek the Lord. And you can seek him here tonight. And he can set you free and he can save you. And I'd love to talk to you if you want to talk to me. Say, Noel, I want to settle this matter tonight. I want to settle it tonight. I want to come to Christ I want forgiveness, I want mercy. We're here to help you. You don't need me, of course. You can ask the Lord yourself where you sit and really believe it and really trust him. And he will hear your voice tonight. Come and trust him. If you want to speak more about this, speak with us here tonight.
about the way of salvation through Christ. Fettered, yet free. We don't hear nothing more about this young woman, only that she was free. And that's a blessing. And the Lord can set you free and save your soul tonight if you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. May he bless his word to all of our hearts. Let's just close in a wee word uh, of prayer tonight. Again, we say we're here to help you, and we trust the Lord has spoken to your heart, <clears throat> and you're not going home without Christ. Receive him tonight. As many receive him, to them give he the power to become the sons of God. And even tonight where you are, lift your heart and, and trust him, and he will save you.